great uh, month off, and then we'll launch back in in the month of August. So spend time with family, trips, whatever you're going to be doing. There's a lot of people that are going to be taking some trips because it's uh, the vacation time, and school starts early. starts August, what, 10th or something like that? So uh, take the month of July. And, and spend some quality time. If you're not out of town, be here in the house of God. Praise God, because you don't know what could happen in one service in the house of God. Amen. And you don't want to miss it. Amen. Nudge your neighbor and tell them, I'll be here when I'm in town. I'm here. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate uh, some of you were here this morning, then you went out to Shafter, now you're back here tonight. Some of you were here this morning, you left church early this morning to go to a baby dedication at another church, and you were back here for church. Thank, thank God for faithful people. Amen. It matters. It matters. Praise God. Praise God. It's good to have everybody with us in the house of God tonight. Amen. Titus chapter number 1, verse number 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake or for money's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. That means they could not control their appetites. Though this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. This is on the island of Crete. This is the Cretans. And verse number one of chapter number two, Paul is writing to a young man, a young minister in the faith who has been commissioned to go to this island. He says, but speak thou. Everyone say thou. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Praise God. And for a few moments here tonight, I'm going to preach on... Uh, Something. P-I-V. That's what I'm preaching here tonight. P-I-V. And we'll talk about what P-I-V means. Praise God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We ask that you would direct us tonight in the house of God. I pray that you would strengthen us. Amen. You would give to us the encouragement and motivation to do more for you. We exalt you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated. P-I-V. That stands for the three points that we'll be making tonight. But by way of introduction, before we get to the first one, let's talk about the man that is named Titus that is going to a place called Crete. It's an island. And so he is going there to establish and start a church. There is a cause that has been left in Crete. And so Paul is putting him in the position to set in order the things that are wanting, the things that are necessary. And so he sent 
Titus to this island to preach the gospel and to establish a church. Now, what's fascinating about this assignment is Titus is going there as a young man in the faith, and no doubt he has a desire to see God do great things. He's desirous to see revival take place and the Holy Ghost to move. He's desirous of things, seeing things move forward, not grind to a halt. He is hungry for a move of God, not the doldrums, not a, a faith that is, that is uh, stuck, not a faith that is boring or that lacks. But Titus, in his youthfulness, is coming to a place and his purpose and his desire is to see God do great, great things. This is his assignment and his task. And yet when he gets to the island of Crete, Paul tells him, this is what you're going to. This is not the best of places, but you're to set some things in order because the people there, they don't really want revival. They say to themselves that we are liars and we have no control over our appetites. And Titus, you are stepping into this environment. And you're going to try your best to set some things in order. And so Titus is operating in a realm of carnality where there are people that really don't want a move of God. And yet there's a man of God by the name of Titus that wants a move of God. Have you ever been in circumstances where you want to see God do great things, but it seems like everybody else is really not interested in God doing anything? Have you ever desired somebody to receive the Holy Ghost and it's seems like the majority of people don't really care if someone receives the Holy Ghost or not. Have you ever been in a service in which you want to see a move of God, but it seems like you're the only one that wants a move of God because everybody else is disinterested. This is the environment that Titus is walking into. It would be much better if everybody wanted a move of God and everybody was unified around a move of God, but sometimes it doesn't happen that way. It would be great that everybody was desirous to see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. The only thing that I could tell you is this. You make sure that you're going to bring it every service. Whether anybody's worshiping God or not, I'm going to worship God. Whether anybody wants somebody to receive the Holy Ghost, I want to see somebody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to draw a circle around myself and I'm going to set in order the things that are wanting. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to magnify God, whether anybody is or not. <laughs> oh, I like that. I'm thankful for that. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful when we come to the house of God, everybody wants to see God do great things. On the day of Pentecost, they were unified. If they'd have been disunified, there probably wouldn't have been a breakout. But because they were unified together, God moved in a powerful way. It helps when everybody is on the same page. It helps when everybody is talking the same thing. It helps when everybody is moving the same way. You can cause the wheels of the gospel to grind when things get into disunity. But I'm thankful in the house of God, there's some people willing to stand up and say, we're on the same page, we're going the right way, the Holy Ghost is moving, and we want God to do signs, miracles, and wonders. It makes everything easier.
<laughs> it makes everything easier. But I've, I, man, I've been in situations where it seems like you're the only one that is there. You're the only one that's worshiping. You preach and it feels like it falls right across the pulpit. Nobody else is interested. Nobody else cares. Man, those are difficult times. And if you're not careful, you'll let that influence on you. And you can't do that because you're the spokesperson. You're preaching. You're the one that's supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost. And somehow, you got to motivate the people who are unmotivated. You got to motivate the people that have lost control of their appetites. All their appetites. You got to control and try to motivate the people that call themselves liars and somehow you got to arrest their attention through the anointing and power of God to recognize that that lifestyle and that life is not worth living that there is something that is greater, that is more important that the kingdom of God is able to take you places that are much greater than where you are. Praise God. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me just tell you something. I can remember youth services where it seemed like you were the only one that was there. Everybody, now that's not our youth ministry now. Nowadays, they got a full band. They've got music. They've got anointing. My, they got everything. But I can remember days where nobody wanted to do anything. Nobody wanted to move. You know what happened during those days? That was a training period, a training period. You know what it trained me to do? Preach as if everybody's unified, whether they're are or not. Worship and praise God and preach like everybody is telling you amen when nobody is saying nothing and they're looking at you like you've lost your mind. Just keep preaching. Just keep singing. Just keep worshiping God. Somewhere God's going to break through to somebody. But in the meantime, it's going to feel like you're on an island by yourself. But you just keep believing God. You just keep trusting God. Amen. So this is where Titus is. He's on the island of Crete. and It's a mess. He wants revival. And Paul says, Titus, you, you, thou, you, you speak the things which become sound doctrine. There are circumstances in our life when it feels like we are the only one that's trying our very best. Amen. I'm thankful for some family here in the house of God. I'm also thankful for their for people who are in the house of God that don't have any family, but they're here because they recognize a church family is important. And the reason why that's important is because many times when they come to God and they start a walk with God, the family that didn't care what they were doing, how strung out they were, what kind of addictions and dysfunction they were involved in, nobody cared about any of that until they came to God. And when they came to God and God starts doing mighty things in their life, all of a sudden, all the theologians in the family break out and tell them why they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. And it feels like when you're in a position like that, that you are swimming upstream, that you would hope for a move of God and a strength of God and revival, but it seems like you are slogging your way through. I want to tell you here in the house of God, baby, you keep trusting God. You keep believing God. You keep putting your faith out there because God knows where you are. You're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. It doesn't matter what the world says to you or anybody else. You're going the right direction. Just keep preaching. Just keep teaching. Just keep believing that God's got you in the palm of his hand.
Praise God. So when you encounter these kind of situations, Titus, when you encounter these difficulties and these obstacles, saints of God, there are going to be three things. There are going to be some options that you have to take. You can be PIV. You can, first of all, you can be paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by fear. This morning we talked about Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. He was a great prophet, and he operated in a realm where Ahab the king was the king, a man that loved luxurious tastes, a man that built, but he also was married to a woman by the name of Jezebel that was a wicked woman. He married her from the northern part of Phoenicia, and she brought Ashtoreth. She brought Baal worship, false gods and idols into Israel and Ahab married her and his life was an absolute mess in terms of his reigning. And so he erected all of these temples and he included all of this worship and the children of God were trying to figure out who do we serve? Do we serve God or do we serve Baal? And they were undecided as to who they were supposed to serve. Let me just drop something in right here. You're going to either serve God or the world, but you can't do both. You either get all the way in and say, God, I'm living for you no matter what, or you're going to live in the world. You can't straddle the fence. You can't live on both sides. One day I'm going to live for God, but the next day I don't know what I'm doing. I'm living for the world. Listen, that doesn't work. You got to fully commit and step your way into whatever it is and say, I am committed to the things of God and the work of God. You can't do both. And so the people were confused. It caused confusion. And so there was a man, a prophet by the name of Elijah, that man, he just had a certain walk and he was able to step into the realm of the king's kingship on multiple occasions. And on one particular occasion, he called all the prophets of Baal together, all these false idolatry and religion and worship, and he called them all together, and he, he got them together, and he said, we're, we're going to have a contest here, and we're going to see who the one true living God is. And so 400 prophets of Baal, all these prophets that worship the Baal God, which was the God of fertility, of agriculture, sexuality, they had temple prostitutes and priests, it had everything to do with agriculture, and, and so this was, a, this was false worship, it was false gods, it violated the first commandment, which stated, thou shalt serve and have no other gods before me. And so Elijah said, this, enough of this because people are undecided and it's causing confusion. Let's have a contest. And so he brought them all together and he got them and gathered them and he built an altar and he said, the one that answers by fire, the God that answers by fire, he's going to be the true God. And so the prophets got out there and they started worshiping and dancing and chanting and nothing was happening. Nothing happened. Happened. Nothing happened. And so Elijah poured, he brought water, he poured onto the altar, he poured on the carcass, the sacrifice, and then he prayed a very, very simple prayer. And that prayer elicited fire coming.
coming from heaven and consuming the sacrifice. And on that day, Elijah said, I just want you to know who the one true living God is. You're serving a bunch of gods, but they don't respond to you. They don't answer you. They can't help you. It's an idol. It's a figurine. But there is one true living God that can answer by fire and consume everything. Consume the sacrifice. Consume the water. Consume everything. Woo, you talk about a prophet that could walk with swagger because the Holy Ghost and Yahweh was on his side. And from that moment, he walked down from that mountain and he walked down right into the palace of Ahab. And he said to King Ahab, he said, there's going to be a famine in this land and it's going to be a famine with no rain until I step foot back into this palace. There was a power and anointing and a control that the man of God took because he recognized that as long as God is on my side, nothing can defeat me. As long as God is on my side, nothing can destroy me. I'll stand in the face of devils as long as God is on my side. I can't do it on my own, but if God is with me, No doubt, no doubt that Ahab kind of looked at Elijah and, we, and smirked and said, we'll see how this works out. But after the first year and there was no rain, and after the second year there was no rain, and after the third year there was no rain, his wife wrote a letter to Elijah and it was delivered to him. And it said, just as you have done with the prophets of Baal, so will I do to you. This man, instead of saying, I've already encountered the prophets of Baal and I already know who the God is that answers by fire. And so I'm not going to listen to your letter and it's not going to bother me. It bothered him. And he became paralyzed by fear. The power of this woman Jezebel to write a letter caused the man of God to go out into the desert and find him a place by a stream and a creek and bemoan the fact that he even lived. He said, God, take my life, even though God is feeding him by the ravens. And, and God knows exactly what, as a matter of fact, he even said, I'm the only one that lives for God. And God spoke to him and said, there, there's, there's many more that serve me than just you, Elijah. You're having a pity party. He was paralyzed by fear. What do I do? What do I say? Because there's been a letter that has been sent out and Jezebel is going to kill me and destroy me. And he became paralyzed by fear. When you're fearful, you can't make decisions. You can't do anything. That's why paralyzed is a good term. You're stuck in a position. You can't move forward, back. There's no opportunity to do anything because fear has it has is in your life and it's controlling you it's 
paralyzing you from doing what you need to do. Elijah was paralyzed by fear. He should have. He should have stood up and said, you know what? God is with me. And as long as God is with me, it doesn't matter if it's Ahab or Jezebel. I'm still going to trust God. But because he's a human and there's human conditions and we didn't, don't really understand and recognize how powerful that woman was. He ran out into the desert and he bemoaned the fact that he even lived and he was about to give up until God spoke to him in a still small voice when he's standing at the at the the opening of a cave and God revealed to him in that still small voice Elijah I'm with you it doesn't matter if it's the king it doesn't matter if it's the queen I'll walk with you through every difficulty you got to move out of paralysis and you got to go back to the palace and you got to say Ahab I told you there'd be a famine until I come back hallelujah I'm not going to stay paralyzed but I'm moving out of where I am by fear when everybody else is throwing up obstacles in your way. Or you could be immobilized by indecision. Pilate had Jesus in front of him. The Pharisees and the Jews had brought Jesus before Pilate and they wanted Pilate to crucify Jesus. And so they brought witnesses, and Pilate listened to all the witnesses. <laughs> they were phony witnesses. There was no facts. There was nothing to back up any. Uh, there was no evidence and nothing to back up the evidence. And Pilate was listening to all of this. And so at some point, he says to them, he even questions Jesus, and he asked Jesus an interesting thing. He said to Jesus, what is truth? And Jesus said, I am the truth. I, can't, I was born and sent into the world to testify of the truth. And Pilate had the truth. Many people, when they ask, if you had an opportunity to interview somebody, who would you interview? And, and people will come out with all kinds of characters and what have you. But this man had the opportunity to interview Jesus himself. Not just, not just a teacher, but as we read here, God manifested in the flesh. And he had an opportunity and he asked him what is truth. And Jesus said, I have come into the world to testify of the truth. And Pilate looked at that. He didn't know what to do with that. He didn't know what to do with the Jews. They were clamoring. They wanted him to release Jesus, to crucify him. And so this was a situation where Pilate found himself in a very precarious situation because he was to control. He was to control Jerusalem and Israel. And now there's all this confusion. People are, are up at, at arms and in the streets. And so he's got a Roman government that is supposed to control. And yet the constituents in the government, would happen, which happens, to be the Jewish people are, are rising up and so he's got he's got to make a decision and there's a lot of conflict and so Pilate is standing there and he wasn't paralyzed by fear he was immobilized by indecision he didn't know what to do he didn't know whether to make a decision or not to make a decision and so he finally says to them I, I find no fault in this man and he washes his hands of his own decision he was immobilized by indecision 
decision. You're never going to get anywhere in the kingdom of God if you're paralyzed by fear. Our world is full of fear. And you're never going to get anywhere if you're immobilized by indecision. You have to make a decision. You have to make a choice. Not everybody's going to follow. Not everybody's going to agree with it. But you got to make a decision and say, I'm not going to be undecided. I'm going to be decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. I'm not going to be immobilized. I'm not going to be paralyzed, but I'm coming out with an action that is greater than those two things because God is going to work in my situation. Praise God. As musicians come tonight, you can be paralyzed by fear. You can be immobilized by indecision. Titus. You go to the island of Crete and you're fearful of what everybody's going to say and do. You're not going to be much of a pastor or a preacher. <laughs> I'm operating out of fear. I don't want to say anything because I might offend them. You're not, you're not going to be a great preacher if you're just worried about preaching truth and the response. And Titus, you're not going to do very well if you're immobilized by indecision. You got to step into that pulpit in Crete and you have to have something that is greater than fear and indecision. Praise God. We, we live in a world that is full of fear. We're coming out of, we're coming out of a historical happening that has occurred in our country and in our world in which now, this may be a stretch, and you may think this is way too controversial. We're coming out of a stage in which there was fear-mongering. I know that may seem rather harsh, but there was just too much funny business going on that captured people's fear about just living. I understand there's some circumstances that will help you, but when you enter into a phase and there's so much confusion along with it, everybody gets confused. Nobody believes anything that anybody is saying and there is fear that sets in. Listen to me. We should not be a people that are fearful no matter what comes our way, whether it's a pandemic or anything else, a natural disaster. We as the people of God, no matter what we go through and what we face, should not be a people that are fearful, but we should trust God. You know exactly where we are your hand is involved in this and so we're going to trust you we live in a world of indecision praise God so Titus <laughs> you're going to step into a church that is full of carnality into a situation of carnality and by way of extrapolation you as the saint of God stepping in situations that may feel like Titus here when everything is aligned against you you can be paralyzed by fear. You can be immobilized by indecision. Or as we stand in the house of God here tonight, praise God. You can be vitalized. Praise God. Nudge your neighbor and tell them vitalized. You can be vitalized. Vitalized by what? <laughs> 
Titus, when you step into that pulpit in Crete and you're facing these things, the only thing that's going to drive you and help you is if you are vitalized by prayer. Not fear, not indecision, but be vitalized by prayer. Peter and John were going up to the temple. And on the way to the temple, there was a man that had a, he was begging for alms. And he was holding it up. And as they were going in, they looked at him and they said to him, silver and gold have we none we don't have any money to give you but such as we have give i thee in the name of jesus rise up and walk we don't have money but we got something that's more powerful we've got a name that's above every name and we know that there is healing power in the name of jesus the man dropped his coin he dropped his coin jar and he stood up and he leaping and praising God went into the temple because God had wrought a mighty miracle in his life. And when the chief priests and the elders heard about this, they were very chagrined and they brought Peter and John before them and they said to him, by what power have you done this? They weren't even excited about the man that had been there asking for alms for who knows how long. They wanted to know by what power have you done this? And Peter and John said, we've done this by the power of the one that you've crucified. His name is Jesus. And then Peter gave an amazing statement. He said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. They took them, they beat them. And they told them, we don't want you speaking in the name of Jesus anymore. We're throwing down the gauntlet. If this is what you're going to continue to do, you're going to suffer for it. And so Peter and John went to the church. And they told the church, look, <laughs> this is what they've said. They've said they're going to shut us down. They're going to persecute us. They're going to try to destroy us if we keep speaking in the name of Jesus. And so then they decided in Acts chapter number four, they decided that what we need to do in this setting and circumstance is we need to go back and we need to gather together and we need to pray. Verse number 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Then they had a prayer meeting. They lifted up their voice and they started praying and they started seeking God. And what happened is that the Holy Ghost shook the place where they were gathered together and a move of God gave them boldness. And they said, you know what? We can step right back into the streets and we can keep preaching because we are not paralyzed by fear. We are not immobilized by indecision. We are vitalized by prayer. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep stepping out into the streets because God has answered us. The place shook where they were. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God prepared them to speak with boldness. Praise God. 
Amen. If you're in a position of fear or undecided, let me tell you tonight in the house of God, you can be vitalized by prayer. Whatever situation that you are in, whatever thing that you are praying about or for whomever you're praying about, be vitalized by prayer. Whatever circumstance in your life, whatever you feel like, step out into the realm of saying it's not fear, it's not indecision, but it's the power of prayer that I'm coming to a God and I'm praying to him and seeking him. Praise God. Is there anybody in this house here tonight that's praying about situations, praying about decisions that you're going to make, praying about circumstances? Come on, if you are, lift up your hand. Let me see you if you're praying about those things don't be undecided don't be fearful don't be undecided but be vitalized by power of the Holy Ghost praise God and I feel like ending this service tonight I feel like ending this service tonight on the subject of being vitalized by prayer. Praise God. Step out of the pew where you are. Bring that thing that you're praying about. Hallelujah. Bring that person that you're praying about. Bring that situation that is in your home, on your job, at your school that you're praying about, in your family that you're praying about, and lift your hands and say, God, I want your anointing. Praise God, I want your power, I want your ability. I've come to be vitalized by your strength. Make me a house. Praise God, come on, pray it with authority. God move, God direct, God strengthen. Hallelujah.